welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show. It's show number 43 and happy to be back on air, happy to be on Facebook Live and happy to be back with the show. Excited to be here. We had to make some changes in the show, so I am not in the handy-dandy radio studio anymore. We were not able to continue that, uh, but we are going to continue with Education, Leadership, and Beyond surviving and thriving. And here we are, we're using the Be Live format, uh, which is broadcasting over Facebook Live, as well as on iTunes, and it's show number 43. So happy to be back and uh, excited to get this going. So uh, we've made a couple changes in the show. One is we've reached out to some sponsors and uh, we did get our first sponsor, so very much appreciate Dan Spanauer with the uh, Coaching and Leadership Journal. He's our first sponsor of Education, Leadership, and Beyond. And Dan is a high school teacher and a coach in North Carolina. And this is his group here, the Leadership Publishing Team. Uh, this is a great resource. They actually featured uh, today's guest in uh, here a couple of times. But there are a number of great articles uh, this comes out monthly, and uh, Dan uh, sends a hard copy to you as well as an electronic version. And again, it's called the Coaching and Leadership Journal. Fantastic. Uh, and Dan offered uh, the listeners of Education, Leadership, and Beyond uh, a discount. And that discount, if you have your pen, is ELB20. ELB20, if you go to the leadershippublishingteam.com and uh, punch that in, you will get a 20% discount. Uh, it comes out 12 times a year, once a month, and this is the April uh, version here. So great stuff, and we appreciate Dan uh, and the work he does and, and him sponsoring the program. That being said, it is show number 43, and our guest today, he'll be up in a few minutes, is Dan Rockwell. He is the leadership freak. That's right. The leadership freak is on education, leadership, and beyond. He'll be uh, coming up in the next few minutes. Uh, so I did feature one of Dan's, uh, and I'm going to mess with this mic here. Forgive me. How's that, everybody? I think that sounds a little bit better. Uh, but we did feature uh, Dan uh, in this in one of his blogs. And the topic for today's show is do your job. And Dan uh, is reading the book, and he finished it now. It's called The Education of a Coach by David Halberstam. Uh, and the book was about Bill Belichick. And uh, when you meet Dan, you know, he sends out a, a blog daily on the leadershipfreak.com. Uh, and it's great, great stuff. Really great. Um, I've gotten to know Dan here uh, in the past few months, and he was uh, kind enough to come on the program. And he's got great information, so I was happy to share that on today's program. Uh, but this this um, blog specifically hit home to me, uh, and again, the title was "Do Your Job," uh, based on the book "The Education of a Coach" by David Halberstam, written about Bill Belichick or written with Bill Belichick. And he gave some uh, three points in there in the blog that I did want to highlight and personalize here on the program. So. The first one, obviously the name of it, is called Do Your Job, right? Think about that in your work, in your field. If everyone just did their job without incident, without complaining, 
it would be so much easier, right? Things would work. It'd be smooth. Um, Bill Belichick references his father in the book, and Dan writes about that and uh, the lessons that he taught him. He never told Bill that he had to work hard. He just did it. He modeled it for him. And it made me think about some of the stories with my dad. Uh, if you've been listening to the program or if you know me, uh, my dad uh, meant the world to me. My parents, uh, just amazing. And uh, one story in particular, my dad owned his own pharmacy in, in Staten Island, Tompkinsville, New York, uh, Rexall Drugs, an old fashioned uh, pharmacy. And his partner one time got sick and it was a period about six months and my dad uh, not only then ran the shop for six months straight, seven days a week, he took uh, his partner's salary and put that in the bank for him. And as a, as a young kid, I couldn't understand. I mean, I understood covering for your partner, but I said, Dad, you're earning that money. You know, why is that money? Why isn't it going to our family? Why isn't it going to you? And he talked about the concept of supporting his uh, his colleague and supporting him through this hard time and that he needed to earn money for his family too. And they were partners, all of that stuff. And uh, I never forgot that uh, about, you know, working hard and, and that concept of that. So uh, one of the things I always admired about my dad, um, again, certainly modeling the way. Another thing Dan talks about in the blog, again, this is the March 3rd blog uh, that Dan wrote in, uh, uh, he talked about doing the work, right? Working hard, do the work, do your job. Simply just don't point the way. So one of, one of the things is getting your hands dirty, right? Maybe stepping outside your comfort zone and getting your hands dirty. Uh, I talk about that in my book too, about not being able to afraid to step outside uh, the box and, and do some things. If there's a spill in the hallway, you might not necessarily always need to call a custodian. Take care of it yourself. The kids see that, the staff sees that, and they know you're invested in it. So um, Dan talks about that in, in the book. Don't look down on uh, on others uh, that might have a different job than you. Maybe it's not at the same level. And uh, um, respect the work. Do the work. Uh, I remember a story listening to Dr. Gilbert on the Success Hotline. He talked about uh, a newspaper reporter uh, went to uh, the first mission to the moon. Right. All of the excitement that was there. And uh, he interviewed the astronauts, the reporter interviewed a number of people. And he bumped into a custodian in the hallway uh, at the NASA headquarters. And he said, oh, hello, sir. And they greeted each other. And he said, what you know, what do you do here? And it was a custodian doing their job. And the custodian answered, uh, I'm helping put a man on the moon. Now, think about that. That person had buy in that first that person felt part of something bigger than himself. So. Uh, it goes along the lines of uh, treating everyone fairly and, and, and making people feel good about their jobs. The second thing that Dan writes about in that blog, and again, he's coming up here shortly, Dan Rockwell, the leadership freak, um, support others while they work. Again, a concept he took out of the book here, um, The Education of a Coach by David Halberstam. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Support others while they're working. Dan writes, challenge and cheer. What a great concept. Dan, I, I'm going to take that into my job. I think that's great. And you want to continue to uh, raise your people up. You want to keep pushing them. Uh, but 
making sure that they feel validated along the way and, and feel your support uh, along that. And the last concept uh, he writes about in this blog is removing the obstacles. If you're the leader of that group and you know you have people working under you or working with you, there's always obstacles. There's always things that are going to come up. Uh, even simple things like the, the heat is not working correctly. There's not enough light in the room. Just today in my school, um, have a great dynamic teacher. I'm a high school principal, if you didn't know that. Um, but I have a, a, a dynamic teacher. The, the light was right in front of the smart board. And she had the lights on the room, but you couldn't see it. It was a bad reflection. We got together, boom, stepped up. I took the top down. We, we twisted the light bulb. So just that light bulb came out. There was a small barrier. That's a small example, but that happened today. So remove the obstacles. If you are in a position of authority to eliminate barriers and create connections. And again, these are the words of the leadership freak himself, Dan Rockwell. Uh, in his blog, March 3rd, I definitely recommend that you check him out and, and check out some of his work. His stuff comes out daily. Uh, and we're going to meet Dan here in a minute here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Excuse me. So, again, I did want to take an opportunity before we bring Dan in uh, to introduce today's sponsor. It is uh, the Coaching and Leadership Journal. This is uh, put together by Dan Spanauer and his group at the Leadership Publishing Team. Uh, it, it, just a great group of articles. It comes out monthly. You get an electronic version, and you also get, this isn't just regular paper. It's kind of like a, a thicker paper, and uh, it's a little more sturdy. Uh, here's Dan's information on here. You can contact him at the, uh, the leadershippublishingteam.com. Great stuff. The subscription rate is $149 a year. Uh, Dan is offering a discount for the uh, listeners of Education, Leadership, and Beyond, and that is ELB20 if you order online, ELB20, and that is for the Coaching and Leadership Journal. Appreciate Dan sponsoring the program. We're going to meet another Dan here. How about that? Dan, let me see if I can make this work here and bring you in. Bam. Bam. There you are. Hey. Great to see you, Dan, and welcome to the program. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Andrew. You've brought a lot to my life, uh, Dan, in in the you know the six months to a year that I've been following you, uh, including showing me this this format, uh, be live. So I appreciate that. Well, it's a pleasure, and thanks for saying that. You're very kind, Dan. Let's get right to it. How, how did you start the Leadership Freak? Where, where did this come from, and how long you been doing it? Well, I wish I could give you a great answer. Like, you know, there was this great plan. You know, I sat down one day under a tree and I planned out my life and all of that. But uh, really, there was no plan. I've been writing Leadership Freak for about a year. And uh, I I really just, it was an experiment. And I said to myself, I, I think I'll write for five days a week for a year and see if it gets traction. But honestly, I had no idea. I'd never really written beyond like business writing and contracts and things like that. And and so I just started writing, uh, you know, that uh, January 11, January 10th, I think it would be. I, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, that would be January 10th. And uh, I just started writing and it got traction. And so I just kept doing it. Well, you're definitely getting some followers. I found you featured in the Coaching and Leadership Journal, oh. and uh, you know he highlighted some of your stuff in there. And uh, but your stuff is is really terrific. It just seems to hit home. 
Uh, I, I looked at the VUCA stuff today. That's another conversation, but great. Dan, where'd you come up with the name? You know, in school, the word freak is a, it has a negative connotation. Where'd you come up with that? Yeah, I was thinking like sports freak, you know, like freakishly interested in something. Uh, you're right. And there's something in me that like sometimes likes to push the edge a little bit. So sometimes when I write, you know, I might push the edge, not a lot, but a little, you know, and so uh, I was just sitting down, kind of noodling away at words, and the, uh, you know, that, that came up, you know, leadership freak. Again, there was no lightning bolt. It was just sort of noodling around a little bit, and then it came up, and I went out, and I didn't even buy the domain at that time. I mean, I've been using free tools like, uh, you know, WordPress and that kind of stuff, and it was available, of course. And it, I was so fortunate because, I mean, we're, you know, nobody else is going to be leadership freak. You type it in. You got me. There you are. Well, you're making yourself stand out, uh, not just in the name, but also in the in the content. And speaking of that, you know, tell me about your roles, Dan. I know you've had a number of different leadership roles. You know, your story in, in your career. Tell us a little bit about that, because I know that's where you've, you've drawn a lot of your content from. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I've been here in Williamsport for, man, almost 30 years. Williamsport, Pennsylvania. I'm a Maine boy originally, central Pennsylvania. Uh, but, but Maine is my home. And uh, I started, uh, I went off to Bible school originally. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I went off to Bible school originally. And I've been involved in church world all my life. Uh, although Leadership Freak is not uh, like focused on that. I mean, that's just been part of my life. And then I've, I've worked for over 15 years for uh, the local Penn State affiliate. I did workforce development for them. Uh, that meant I handled, for, in my role, I handled staff development for the college. I had some computer labs. I hired faculty to teach. I did uh, outreach to the community. I did uh, adult ed classes. I handled all that kind of stuff. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, that's where really I was at the college when I started writing Leadership Freak. I'm not there now, but I was. And now part of it, in addition to uh, writing the blog daily, you're doing some public speaking and you do also uh, private coaching. Tell me about that aspect of The Freak. Yeah, thanks for asking about it. I do. I never realized that there was this business opportunity, right? I wasn't smart enough to figure that all out. So I didn't even know. I, I realize now people call what I do content marketing. I just call it writing blogs, you know, but, you know, content marketing. So I uh, uh, I think about a year and a half in, I started getting, uh, I got my first invitation to go speak. I had no idea. I thought, wow, this is cool. So I went to speak. And since then, uh, you know, really, it's, it's uh, done things for us that we never would have imagined. And then I do uh, coach a uh, group of leaders. Uh, on a uh, ongoing basis, and that's part of the business as well, which is just such a joy. I'm so thankful for it. So in, in line with that, Dan, again, part of my goal is running this podcast and, and the work we're doing on education, leadership, and beyond is, is getting helping people get better, right? Uh, we, we all want to get better, some more than others. So what are some of the areas that you find lacking in, in leadership? I'm a high school principal by day, and you know, I'm trying to be the best leader I can be for my kids and my staff. But what are some of the, the biggest areas that you find that, that that are lacking that you see? Yeah, well, I get to work with leaders who want to do well and want to improve. And, and you're one of those kind of leaders. But I think overall in leadership, we get to a certain place in leadership and then we sort of feel like we've made it. 
And so I, one of the first things I like to think about for leaders is self-development. You know, I think you've you, you got to start there. How are you developing your leadership? And I like to ask leaders, what are you working on? And if they don't know what they're working on, they're probably not working on anything. And, and that, to me, is a big disappointment. We need to be working on things. You know, you see me, I'm right. Last week, I wrote about complaining. This morning, I wrote about being critical. And so now, you know, I'm trying to say, you know what, I'm going to go an hour without being critical of something. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go an hour and, you know, only speak words that, like, build people up and, you know, notice the positives, you know, for a whole hour, which... Uh, so far, I haven't really been able to succeed, but you know, I'm 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 working at it, and that's what I want to see. I want to see like self development. I want to see uh, people navigate the tension between results and relationships. I think we tip, right? So I think that's another one. You know, are we? Some leaders are very results oriented, and relationships suffer. And then some leaders are very relationship oriented, but results suffer. And, uh, you know, I also uh, I, I just want to see, you know, when you think about leaders and the biggest area of lack is I just want to have a little less knowing and a little more curiosity. Yeah. Asking the question. Absolutely. You know, and that that'll lead me to my next question here, because I watched your TED talk hmm. and, you, and you talked about, again, the coaching and how you kind of draw that out uh, of people, the answer. But what was the TED Talk experience like? Was that a, you know, that, that's a pretty big deal to, to, to have a TED Talk, correct? Yeah, I'm so thankful for that. It was a, it was a, it was one of the local, it was TEDx in, in, in Pittsburgh, right? And, okay. And, Not far uh, from you? No, the uh, the prison system has done a few of them. The local, the, not the local, the state prison system. And I happen to know the secretary of corrections. And he called me, he said, Dan, we're doing this. We'd love to have you come and speak. And the thing that really came out of that is you have like 18 minutes or so to like get your message honed down. And that was a great experience to like really hone your message down. I'm pretty high strung and I get nervous and my stomach hurts before I speak and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So 18 minutes, boom, you got to get her done. And that was good. You like the confines of that. Yeah, it was good. It worked for me. You know, it keeps that baby going. You know, you can't chase too many rabbits on that on that 18 minute schedule. So tell me about that. And I appreciate your honesty. You know, someone at your level, you still get nervous before you speak. It, it depends. But I would say, yeah, I would say, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, earlier on, it was really like I couldn't sleep the night. I remember one of the first really big uh, engagements I had with 1500 CEOs. I was in Vegas. I'm trying to sleep. I'm on a different time zone. My stomach hurts. I got other issues that you might have when you're all stressed out, if you know what I'm saying. And, and you know, it's like, I, it, you know, and it's so funny because I'm, I finally get up there and, you know, I got my presentation and I'm ready to go and I'm starting to let her, let her rip. And uh, I don't know, like five minutes in, they were laughing and something was going on. And I just said to myself, you got this, man. What are you worried about? You know, give them your best. I still get nervous, though. What can you say? Yeah. And that's normal. You know, that's normal. And the more I do it, and I mean, I get to do it every day in front of kids and staff and, uh, you know, but I've gotten used to it and I got a, I got a big mouth, you know. Um, Dan, we talked earlier about the coaching, right? And, and again, I'm into your stuff and, and what you're doing. And when you have a captive audience that wants to be motivated, hmm. it's easier for you. How about with people that, might not be receptive to coaching or people that don't want to be motiv motivated. You know, some of your writings, you talk about that, right? Don't try to motivate the unmotivated, right? 
But I struggle with that because I'm trying to make my staff better. I'm trying to make people better. And, yep. you know, sometimes my wife and people, you know, just leave, you know, back it up a little bit. You know, tell me about when people might not be so receptive. Is that that Italian in you? Is that that Italian? You just want to like. <laughs> yes. Give them some pasta and wine and make it better. Hey, there you go. There you go. Well, you know, I get to work, generally speaking, with a lot of motivated leaders. Now, there are some situations where I get called in to deal with someone. They didn't call me. The organization called me. Um, but I, I really think, you know, it's a great question, Andrew. And I think uh, talking to them about what they want and what's in it for them and where they want to go and make sure that where they want to go is aligned with the organization and where the organization wants to go. I think that that helps. But, you know, there's this. So uh, how can I help you as a as a coach? Right. How can I help you get where you want to go? Now, if you don't want to go anywhere, then, you know, I'm, I can kick you in the pants, but I'm not sure it's going to be that helpful. And they won't be uh, hiring the freak if they, they're not looking to go somewhere. People hire you. They want you to take them to the next level. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like that line in Jerry Maguire, right? You remember the movie Jerry Maguire? Tom I know, a little bit. <laughs> Don't ask help, me anything too specific. Help me help you. He's there screaming you with help the football player. Yeah, it's a, yeah I'm going <laughs> to add that to my uh, routine. Then, again, as a high school principal, one of the things that I've struggled with in terms of trying to motivate people, trying to create change, suggestion, recommendation, and direct. Mm. I'm directing you to do this. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you make you make a suggestion and, it, it, you know, they can take it or leave it. Right. Hey, I, I'd like you to try this. I suggest, you, you know, yeah. but they don't do it. You know, the next time it's a it's a little more firm, maybe a recommendation until it gets to the point where, hey, I'm directing you to do this. You know, how do you in your role, uh, whether it was in some of your past jobs, you know, where's that line where you got to now switch it because you're not seeing the results? Yeah, well, I think you nailed it right there. Um, the tension between, for me, curiosity and being directive has to do with their results. How are they doing? They may, they may need greater intervention. So it may be uh, that it's an experience issue. It may be a training issue. Um, it may be a confidence issue. And so when results start to dip, this is a leader's responsibility now to step in and, and become a little more interventionist. So, and one of the things to do would be, uh, let, you know, depending on who the person is, is, you know, if they're not getting where they need to go and so you're going to intervene, is set these timelines up. So, hey, let's, it would be a tighter timeline for this intervention. So someone's not doing well and, okay, let's touch base Friday. And then when you touch base Friday, say, let's touch base next Friday. Now, if it's a, a highly motivated employee and they're doing great. You know, it's like once a month you have a one-on-one -on -one and check on where they are and what you can do for them, what you can get out of the way for them. But if they're not quite so motivated, you get involved a little more uh, intentionally and a little more frequently. You know, and you, you talk about, hey, next Friday. One of the things, Dan, in talking and writing this book, so much of it is about time management. And I know you wrote, there's no such thing as time management. There's only time. Yeah. But if that's not on my schedule, if I'm not doing it, it gets away from you. So one of the things that we focus on is the feedback loop, right? The mm -hmm. following up. You asked to see something. It's important for the leader then to hold the person accountable, but to physically make the time to come back in and check with Dan Rockwell. Hey, Dan, 
tell me about the progress you've made on this. If you don't schedule that appointment, it kind of goes by the wayside. And so does your your recommendation. So you sit down, you have a conversation, and if there is a good, reasonable amount of uh, motivation and skill there, you say, well, what would you like to do next? You give them the option. Um, And they say, uh, by the way, you want to generate two or three options, you know, three options, which what could you do next? Okay, what else could you do next? Okay, what else could you now you got three things Then you say, which one would you like to do next? See, now they're in choice. They're making a choice. They feel powerful that it's going to energize them. Now, if they don't have that experience, then you could just say, okay, here's what I would suggest you would do between now and our next meeting. Right. How does that look to you? What would you, with this in mind, where, what are your next steps and get them going? But then you say, you know, okay, we're going to get, get, get together on Friday. And you might say, I'm going to ask you four questions. I'm going to ask you, I want you to know ahead of time. I'm going to ask you, what did you do? Right. What did you try? What did you do? Right. How did it work? Tell me what, what, what the results were. What did you learn? And then the fourth question is, what do you want to try next? So they know right ahead of time what the accountability is all about. Now, if they're highly motivated, you can just ask them, what do you want to do next, right? And then then I'll ask them, what do you want me to ask you the next time we meet? That way they set their own accountability. But if they're not highly motivated, you might need to do it uh, a little more intentional. And, uh, you know, as the principal, I, I, I dig that style. I like it. My, one of the things I try to do is remove the fear of, of people getting in trouble. If they don't do it, they're going to get in trouble. We're doing this to try to get you better. If people know that feedback is coming from a sincere, authentic point of trying to make you better, you remove that fear of, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to get in trouble. Right. You know, We try not to have that. Then, right. again, talking about feedback, one of the things I like about your um, the blog First of all, where did the 300 words or less come, come from? Uh, I think that's yeah. a great concept. Yeah, great question. So um, everything you see on Leadership Freak on the blog is is for me. I'm the audience. I write that for me. Uh, lots of times I'm trying to solve my own concerns and problems or I'm trying to clarify what I think about something. And so on, uh, I have a short attention span. So I, I just 300 words was like, you know what? I'm comfortable with 300 words. You start going long and it's like, eh, I don't know. Well, and you keep your audience that way, too. You click on the button. Boom. It's there. You can read it in just a few minutes. And again, your content is fantastic. But the other thing I like, if you keep scrolling down, so many people will write a reaction. How long do you stay there after you release it? To, to, to respond to that, because that's nice. You got the freak. You write something. The freak writes back to you. Yeah, I love the comments. And there are there's a there's a cadre of people who leave some great comments, very insightful comments, sometimes more, sometimes less. But uh, depends on the day. Um, sometimes I'm traveling. It's very difficult. So the post I write every day and and uh, uh, sometimes I actually have to schedule it so that it goes out without me being in front of the computer. Uh, so uh, if I can be, I love to be here and respond to people. Generally, by 9 o'clock, I, the best is post between 7 and 8 a.m., generally around 9 o'clock or so. I like to get out there and take a look and respond if I can. I do love to do that. I don't always get to because of the schedule. Yeah, it's cool when you do it, though, and you can see what your audience is. Yeah, yeah love that. Doing. Yeah. Speaking of writing, and Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I looked, I, I kind of Googled around, you know, 
have you written a book or you know is it are you a book author yet no the best i got for you is i did contribute to a book called the character based leader right i wrote a chapter on humility and that and uh, i'm quoted in books does that help <laughs> so, I, so i'm going to ask you here we're live on the radio like is that something that you're looking to do and or you got to be somebody knocking at your door saying dan this you know let's go here yeah, I've had such a great opportunity. Yeah, I've had people approach me. I've had uh, uh, agents approach me, people who work with, if I named them, you would know exactly who they are. And, you know, just so fortunate. It has not been something, uh, at least for quite a while, that I was highly motivated about. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, I do not have a long attention span. So I've started like 12 books, but I just don't have, you know, that drive to work through. Um, I am working on uh, a book right now, and uh, that that's a good experience. And I'm I'm giving myself permission to use some stuff I've already written, and uh, you know, just kind of get that out and and do something. See, to me, I want to do something that I feel like would be useful to leaders on a day to day basis. I don't want a lot of theory. I just want to like be useful, and so I am working on something right now. And it's interesting having this conversation with you. I wrote my first book before I started my blog and the radio program, and I had time to do it. I am working on my second book now. For all of our listeners, it's going to be called The Parent Surviving and Thriving. Uh, <laughs> but some of the feedback I've gotten, Dan, is that the book is short snippets, right? Mm -hmm. Little steps, short things. And, yep. you know, I'm sure if you go back through your uh, podcast, I mean, your uh, your blog's There'll be some stuff there, but your content is great. So uh, I, I highly you. recommend it. Thank you. Yeah. So one of the things uh, I also wanted to ask you about more personal in your own life, um, you know, for you, is there a time in your life, Dan, where you were cruising along Highway A and everything was going great and you had a paradigm shift? Something came your way and you kind of changed your your mindset, you know, your, your thoughts. Uh, have you had a paradigm shift that's been impactful in your life? You, who has it? You know, I hope anyway. Right. But yeah. yes. Yeah. And I actually remember it. It was in uh, July and you know, we, hey, I'm a huge fan of midlife crisis. I think we ought to have a lot of them. And generally <laughs> speaking, I mean, I don't want you to unbutton your shirt, wear a gold chain, buy a convertible and divorce your wife. I don't want that. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I think we ought to have a lot of these shifts. And uh, there is some research that suggests approximately on the decade markers, life shifts for us. Like, for example, when you go to college at around 20, life shifts, you know, and around 30, you know, maybe you're going to get married. And, you know, it, anyway, yeah, I, th I was uh, 50 and uh, I can remember uh, I took a month off and I can remember sitting on our deck, uh, which I love to do and especially uh, breakfast or whatever. And uh, I would, had been very dissatisfied. Just, and this is what happens, I think, in these shifts is we do some self-reflection. We look at ourselves and we think you have more in you. Uh, you're, you know, you're a little disappointing in this area. You, you've fallen below what you thought you could do. And that's what was going on for me. And uh, I think here's, here's what came out of that, Andrew. I th the journey of life is learning to define yourself by who you are, by how God made you, rather than by what other people expect from you. 
and we so we grow we 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 please our parents we please our teachers we please our boss i mean that's life in the whole process i think we tend to lose ourselves a little bit and so the journey i like to say the journey of life is learning to define yourself by who you are and i can remember sitting on the deck and just all of a sudden realizing i don't need all of that i don't need i don't need the, the college i don't need uh, the things i'm doing I don't need any. Now, I wanted some of it, but I didn't have to be afraid of losing it. And uh, that really changed my life. Wow. And you were out there by yourself? Or was your wife with you? What, well, yeah, I was. I, I don't remember the day exactly, but it, it had been an ongoing process. And sometimes these shifts can take a year, you know, two years. And the research shows that we kind of gradually ramp up to a crisis moment. So it takes quite a long time for the discomfort and the pain to kind of get to the place where there's a breakthrough moment. Now, some people don't break through. They just keep circling the, you know, the dissatisfaction. I think we all know people like that. The guy who, you know, he lives in the garage now. You know what I mean? He, he's uh, he left his family and kind of disassociated with it. But, but anyway, when you, you, you gradually, it can take a while, right? A year or so to ramp up to this moment. But all of a sudden, it resolves itself. You, you know, that's what happened to me. And I think this happens to us. All of a sudden, this moment of like, hey... I don't need their approval. I enjoy it, but I don't need to define myself by my job. You know, I can be who I am. Great stuff, Dan. How about how about a failure? Something, you know, I've learned leadership. I've learned, you know, it's not the amount of times that you fail that counts. It's the amount of times you succeed. Yeah. Have you had something in your life that was a setback that you, you know, brought things to perspective for you? You know, I think there's a series of, you know, there's a pattern for me of uh, failure in being so consumed with uh, what I want to do and not really appreciating others. Uh, I'll give you an example of this. Uh, I mean, in general, I think there's this, uh, I get out of touch with people because I'm thinking about what I want to do, and that tends to strain relationships. And the other thing that happens is because I tend to be an idea person, a dreamer kind of person, doers, I drive doers crazy because I, I don't finish enough things. I've got all kinds of ideas and my doer friends, uh, they, they feel a, a, they have a strong need to finish. I have a strong need to start stuff. They have a strong need to finish stuff and check it off the list. And I think about a, a lot of wasted time in my life has been uh, spent uh, frustrated with the doers in my life. And I remember not that long ago, just a few years ago, all of a sudden thinking, where would you be without these doers in your life? And not very far, right? And all of a sudden I started to realize, you know, those people, I call them foot draggers because they got to have all, they got to have the plan before they start. I don't need a plan. We'll figure it out, right? And so they got to have the plan. And like, it's like, and all of a sudden I realized they're not foot draggers. And my friend uh, Tim said to me, who is a fantastic doer, like a brother to me, but he's always, he has for so long had been such a frustration to me. And, and I, he, he said, Dan, I just need to see the path forward. When I see the path, I'm fine. And he's the kind of guy, once he sees the path, you can't stop that guy. Yeah. But he won't start until he can see the path and the goal. I'll, hey, somebody come, let's go, man. We'll figure it out. And, you know, it's not the end of the world if we don't get there. I mean, heck, we'll get somewhere. 
Now it's coming into perspective why your stuff, I, I can resonate with your stuff. And I'm of that. Uh, let's kind of, let's build it. Let's do it. just the way you started your blog, right? Just started writing it the way I started this radio broadcast. You know, we'll figure it out. Figure it out. Yep. I, love it. The, I call it building the plane in the air, right? Drives all the doers nuts. <laughs> Dan, leadership, the work you're doing, the writing, the travel, the speaking, you know, I write in my book about the old blue chair. I'm a, I'm a guy from Staten Island, but I love country music. Kenny Chesney writes about his old blue chair, right, in the Virgin Islands, a place where he could go to get away from it all. He writes his music there. Where is that place for you in, in your life? Yes. Um, we do travel, and my wife travels with me some. And, and uh, occasionally what we'll do is tag on a few days. We went to L.A., and then we went out to Catalina Island for a few days. So we might, uh, you know, a t tag on to a trip a little extra. We were down in West Palm Beach in the wintertime. So, not hey. A, not a bad place to be. <laughs> so, right. I mean, you know, hey. And so uh, we spent a few days, you know, we spent a few days here or there. Uh, in the summertime, and I'm just, we're just almost there here in central Pennsylvania. Um, when I'm home, I want to have breakfast out on the deck. I want to have dinner out on the deck. I want to put my feet up on a, a hassock there and sit in that chair and eat a steak and, you know, have a cigar and just, uh, just relax. That sounds great. I'll wait for the invitation in, in the mail to, uh, when that comes, meet Mrs. Uh, Rockwell, because that sounds know. great. <laughs> Dan, we're, we're, we're coming to the portion of the program. It's the rapid fire. It, uh, it's a fan favorite. But before we get there, you write so much stuff on leadership. It's great. I, I, I'm eating it up. If you had to give me three characteristics, if you had to write the blog about the top three, right? Yeah, you talked about sports before. They, they always talk about the uh, Mount Rushmore of basketball, the Mount Rushmore. Of, you know, if you only had three, what would the top three characteristics of uh, of leadership be? Mm. You know, like a, of a leader, you mean they, they, what you're looking for? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so apart from you, you got these base things like integrity, right? Uh, you know, those kind of things. I'm not going to talk about them. Um, uh, the first one is a curiosity. So I was in uh, Omaha, Nebraska doing something and uh, Gallup is there. And one of the HR people was in the audience and they asked the question, what, what's the number one thing you like to look for in leaders? And so apart from that, those fundamental core things, um, curiosity. I want to, I want to hear people. I was just in uh, Oklahoma and um, having at lunch, uh, one of the leaders leaned over to me and he started asking me questions. And that's so rare. That's so rare. Everybody wants to tell things. So I love to see the curiosity thing. I think also, and curiosity leads me to the second one. That's forward facing, you know, a forward facing orientation. It's so easy to get sucked into the past. Problems are something that already happened. They're in the past. So I'm not saying you should ignore problems. I'm just saying the solution to problems is not found in the past. It's found in the present and the future. And so I want to see leaders who, you know, I have a, this forward facing orientation. And then I write a lot about energy and positive energy and managing energy. And so the third quality would be you could call it optimism. You could call it a positive energy uh, or just plain energy. But that's the third thing. I love it. You know, one of the tips I'm going to put in my book, again, from my friend, Dr. Gilbert, the, uh, the sports psychologist, you know, every, every parent comes home and asks, how was school today? 
you know, I've started asking my kids, did you ask a question today? Yeah. What was the question you asked today? Because the other kids have the question. They're just a little afraid to ask. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. What question did you ask today? Great. You know, stuff. I heard somebody say, how, you know, how did you fail today? It's another question. Isn't that a great question to ask a kid? How did you fail? I got a lot of answers for that question. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, Dan. Are you ready? We're going to rapid fire. All right, we'll give it a try. All right, it's a rainy day out here in Pennsylvania, but let's get to it. I know you read a lot. Last book you read? So I'm uh, read. Uh, I'm just almost finishing. Right, almost done with uh, the power of a, a positive no. The power of a positive no. Great book. Okay. Uh, how many books do you read a year? Probably about a hundred. I would say something like that. It depends, you know, because you know we're not on an airplane. What are you going to do? Right. I'm going to write that book. Yeah, there you go. Thanks. Last movie you saw? Uh, Black Panther. Okay. Out of 10. Give me an out of 10. 10, 1. Where, where? Uh, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. Okay. I, you know, it's funny. My friends are all mad at me because I didn't think it was fantastic, but I, I did like it. I thought it was good. And I have, uh, you know, it's funny because we had a black friend of mine and I were having a conversation and he's African. And it was so good to hear him talk about it and how he felt about it because it was very empowering. So I, I just thought that was great. Who is the leadership freaks mentor? Yeah, the leader I'm with. So I'm, I'm always learning from people that I'm with. I get to hang around with great leaders. And so the leader I'm with, now I'm coached by Bob Hancocks. He's taught me about coaching and he's my coach. He's a, one of the top Canadian coaches. Uh, but as far as a mentor go, it's really probably the leader I'm with. Favorite place to travel? Uh, well, we're Maine folk, and it's great to get back to Maine, but we like to get where the water is. So I think I mentioned like Catalina Island, or if we go down to the Outer Banks, or if we're in Florida, right, you know, in the wintertime, we're going to get on the ocean. The legacy that you would like to leave for the leadership freak? Uh, if you read the Twitter bio, it says, uh, you know, I really hope that when people see me, they say that guy made my life better. The uh, accomplishment that you are most proud? Uh, long and happy marriage. I've been married over 40 years, married my high school sweetheart, oh. and uh, she's the joy of my life. And uh, I can't imagine being any. She travels with me, like I said, sometimes. And so that's uh, that's what I'm really proud of. That's a beautiful answer. Best thing about the Little League World Series? <laughs> I think, you know, I knew the guy who founded Little League, Carl Stutz, right? Wow. And uh, I, I love that, for example, that the parents didn't, before Little League, did not sit around watching their kids play baseball. The kids went out in the field and played baseball. And so you, we realize now that things like the family connections that happen, you know, our butts are all flat because we're sitting on bleachers watching some five-year-old who can't do anything cheering. Well, why is that? That's because of Carl Stutz. And so the favorite thing about Little League for me is the family connections. And what happens to the town for that Oh, my word. Nobody goes anywhere around. You know, all the locals. I live out of town. Hey, Williamsport is 30,000 people. I'm a country boy. That's way too big for me. We live 10 miles out of town on top of one of the hills. So but we don't go in town except for games or something like that. You'll go to some ball games every year. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily every year, but uh, we do go. Yep. And, and on TV is, is fine. I'm getting used to the TV thing. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> biggest achievement of someone that you've coached? Uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, I I like I coach different reasons for different reasons. Uh, some leaders have kind of lost themselves. They've lost their joy. And so, you know, I might coach a COO who has kind of lost himself in the work and to help them re rediscover their authentic leadership. That's a fantastic privilege. Uh, I also coach leaders who might be at the director level and they want to get to the corporate table. And so I've coached leaders in organizations who, you know, to help them get to that. And that's always rewarding, too. If you can have dinner with three people from any point in history, who would they be? Love my dad. And uh, he passed away. And I found out like just a few, just two or three years ago that he actually adopted me. My mom is my mom. But I lived all my life thinking my dad was my biological dad, but he wasn't. And uh, it was a really strange experience, but uh, mm -hmm. still, that's just what I think of him. He's, uh, you know, he's my dad, Walter Rockwell. And uh, I would want my dad there because uh, he was, uh, I learned so much from him. So I'd want my dad there and I would want, Jesus would be so fascinating to talk to. And John Adams, I you know, read about John Adams quite a lot. And, you know, the early American history and all of that kind of stuff. I would just, he was so frustrated with things. You know, he was kind of an angry guy and his wife kind of tried to soothe him a little bit. I would love to talk to John Adams. Wow. <laughs> You'd have that dinner on the deck. Absolutely. <laughs> that's amazing. That's an amazing story uh, about, uh, about your father there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I have to tell you, um, Never one time in my life did he ever hint that he was not my biological father. And that was because that's what mom wanted. She, you know, she grew up in an Smart era man. when having a child out of wedlock was, uh, you know, really kind of frowned on and embarrassing. And a lot, you know, her family went to church and all of that. And she, I, you know, she was never really comfortable with that, you know, letting that out. And so dad said to her, she told me later, uh, just again, a couple of years ago, she told me uh, that dad wanted, he thought I should know. So when I got about 13, he said, you know, he said, we should sit down and talk to Danny. That's my real name, Danny. And and uh, she she was not comfortable and never was comfortable. He died. And I never knew that he was not my biological father. He, he was that kind of person where, you know, when he said what he was going to do, that that's what he would do. Uh, you know, he was hardworking and disciplined, and uh, I just really respect him. Beautiful story. You've had a number of those today. Thank you. Dan, we got one more question for you. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, it's been a privilege to speak with you. Uh, great stuff. You know, I'm in the business of young people, Dan, uh, working with them every day. I have teachers that are motivating these these kids. And what advice would you give to to my staff, high school leaders, high school teachers, to help develop young leaders, to bring the best out in them, what advice would you give? Yeah, I want. Uh, there's two or three things going through my mind. One is I would want to hear them tell their stories, and I've started doing this with teams. I would want to hear them tell their stories, and then I would say back to them what I see in them as a result of that story. So they might say, you know, I remember, you know, playing. I had a, I had a governmental leader out in Seattle say, well, my older brother used to, brother and his friends used to tie me and my friends to trees and shoot us with hoses. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you could get arrested today for that, right? And so he's telling the story, and you know, and I asked the group, you know, t say something about this person. 
And, and then I said to him, I wonder if you're a real protector of people. You could see his eyes kind of light up, and it's like, I never thought about that before. And he saw himself in a new way. And if you can help students see themselves, their authentic self, what's driving them, listen to their story and say, I wonder if this isn't important to you, and if you might not be good at that. You may not be right, but you can just start talking. And you what? I kid you not. I did, did this in Oklahoma last week. People, their eyes get big, and they start getting energy. So I think, first of all, help them find their authentic self. And then don't help them. Give them something to do and don't help them so much. I am, I just, I get so frustrated with, you know, when people step in, let people struggle. They learn to respect themselves. They, now you can watch if it's, if they turn angry, if you see them getting discouraged, do you want to stay available, ready to help? But do not reach in there. Let them work on that. When they come to you, don't give them quick answers. So what do you think? Well, what other up? And they'll say, I don't know. And then you're going to say, well, who might know? Who could you go and talk to? Right? You figure out the answer. You can't make leaders by holding their hand all the time. So I'm just so passionate about get them to figure out who they are and what's motivating them. Give them a job and don't help them. I can t hear the passion in your voice. It's coming out. You're getting pumped up here. Yeah, I got to settle down. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, we're going to end uh, with one of your quotes here. Um, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. Did I say that right? Not Pretty all close. That's actually are Truman, leaders. isn't it? But that's a good one. Yeah. Harry Truman. It was featured in your blog the other day. And uh, we're going to end with that quote. I do want to, uh, again, give a, a thank you to our sponsor, uh, Dan, if you don't subscribe to this or you haven't seen it, it's great stuff. The Good. Coaching and Leadership Journal. Uh, it's written by my friend Dan Spanauer in North Carolina, uh, and he is found at the Leadership Publishing Team. You can check that out online. You get an electronic version, and you get this hard copy. Uh, it is several pages long. If you look at it, uh, it's great stuff. And, again, Dan, that's where I found some of your stuff um, featured in there. Dan is offering a discount for the Education Leadership and Beyond uh, listeners. That's ELB20 uh, on the website, leadershippublishingteam.com. Dan, we're going to uh, end here. And uh, next week's guest coming up on Education Leadership and Beyond, another friend of mine, Dr. Stephen Burchek. Uh, he is a psychologist at the College of St. Rose, uh, a great guy. So, Dan, we're going to sign off. Thank you. I'll be uh, looking for your blog tomorrow morning, and I look forward to connecting with you further. Thank you. We're going to queue up our music here. We're trying to figure this all out live and here, so we're going to end. Uh, go out and change the world for the better, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our live audience on Facebook and uh, as well as our audience on iTunes. Leave us a review. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes, uh, on Amazon if you like the book. And, uh, again, go out and change the world for the better, everyone. Thanks. Let me get this music queued up. Here we go.